When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. That kid is back on the escalator again. Leave it alone. What? Comics. Who are you? I'm Batman. TV and movies. Wrestling. And Music. We are just getting started. Finally, a podcast about things you actually care about, hosted by a couple of guys who actually care about those things, too. What? Did we just become best friends? Yep. Maybe a little too much. Yes, that's awesome. The talented one, Chris Machete. That no-talent ass clown became famous. And Brenton, you know, that guy from your other favorite podcast. I liked it. I was good at it. So grab onto the handrail and don't let go. This is the Kids on the Escalator podcast. Woo! Here's CM and BD. Hey, hey, we're the monkeys. You're a monkey. What's up? Man. All right, listen, this is a big one today. Two giant pillars of the Canadian music scene mm-hmm. on the show today. And two rad dudes. Um, Quincy tried I, not. I know. And we tried to get them we tried to get us all together and um schedules be damned. So um we're having Todd on second pat in the second part yep. today. Um we've been covering a lot of Boba Fett and all that fun stuff over the last couple of weeks. And yep. our guest that's coming in today has weighed in a few times on the Mandalorian and a few other things. Mm-hmm. So um before we bring Jeff in here from yep. the rock band Moist, um yes. one of the things uh, that we were talking about last week or sort of uh, what's come out of episode three. Um, is that there's some hate going on yes. on the old Boba. Let's address the, let's address the hate right let's away. Let's get that elephant. Uh, let's get the elephant addressed right now on the hate for anyone that's hating on the Boba. Okay. Uh, so two, yeah. there's three, three points. There's three points that are, that I'm going to make. And then, okay. and then Todd will, and, I, and I have, I have a point too, that I didn't like. Yeah. Well, that. I'm going to just say that I the, said it later. So, so one of the things that's, that, that, that everyone is, is uppity about is Boba Fett being sort of like human now. Mm-hmm. So, like, not this menacing bounty hunter. Number two, uh, the introduction of I don't know what we're gonna call him. Um, maybe we'll call him like Larry the Rancor. Larry or the Rancor. Larry the Rancor. But the this new baby Rancor that's kind of showing up, and everyone's like, "But I thought it was like this menacing beast, like this, and now all of a sudden, you know, you can give it milk bones." So uh, that's a thing. And then, of course, the CGI and the new shiny scooters punk rock riders the, the punk the rock riders, riders. Right? that's a whole thing and that's causing a bit of stuff so there is some controversy happening our panel that's going to join us either next week or the week after i'm sure is going to weigh in on this chris go okay so the <laughs> rancor um well first of all he's blindfolded so he he will become angry but what you're seeing is the other side of the rancor like he's he's everything's a baby at one time not everything comes out you know wanting to rip your head off but uh that's he's still got he had the blinders on he can't see anything. He doesn't know violence yet. All right. So uh, the whole thing about the Rancor not being scary anymore. Well, not everything's scary all the time, I guess. Right. You know, is it a marketing tip to try and sell more Rancors? I don't know. 
But at the same time, the reason that he's not angry off there, not evil and not eating things is because he's got the blinders on. He's just he's brand new to the world, man. Little he doesn't baby. know violence or, or hatred or little baby, yet. little baby. Okay, and the human the the humanization of Boba Fett. Okay, well, as we mentioned before, I went this from the very beginning. Um, he's 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 he doesn't Rambo things anymore. He learned his lesson. He was in a Sarlacc pit. You got to learn. He's a chess player now. And why people are not understanding that, I don't understand either. <laughs> um, to understand it, but yeah, he, he's playing chess now. He's not just he's running a whole area. He's not just going in there. Like shooting everybody, Rambo style. He's being smart. He's playing chest. Chess, not chest. Nice. <laughs> he's playing with his chest. No, he's playing chess. So that, again, come on, folks. Like patience and the, here. Patience. And the speeder. And the speeder is the CGI. And yeah, this, I got nothing for that. I don't know. The only thing, as I mentioned, uh, or I will mention later again too, is just that the one speeder bike girl could possibly be uh, Han Solo and, and Kira's uh, love child, right? That's the there only thing I could see being pulled out of this because there's all the Han Solo rumors. But um, yeah, you know what? Not a huge fan myself either. Not really going to defend uh, the bikes too much because I'd, Sorry, I'd, not a fan. You're a fan of Boba Fett, the series, but you're not a fan of this particular. Thing. Oh, yeah, no, the third one. Yeah, as I say, like yeah, I explained yeah, yeah. the reasoning for the for, yeah, for the yeah. Rancor, yeah, for yeah. Boba Fett, for his change of being a little uh, more think about things before he goes in. And the third one was the bikes and the CGI. And I, I can't defend that because I, I wasn't a big fan of it either, to be honest with you. Um, but the, as I say, the one gold thing we could find out is that maybe the girl with the black hair that I didn't catch her name, she could have a significance to one of our, our uh, major players. Could be. Could so be. that's all you get for tonight, friends. That's all the Boba Fett you get to a little bit later uh, because we got we got to get to it. All right. Mm-hmm. We, there's some, we some, serious some new shit. Canadian we gotta, music. We got to take it. We got to take it up about. a notch. We got to take it up a notch. Welcoming back to the show, the mayor of Kingston. I Mr. forgot about that. That's the new TV show. <laughs> Mr. Jeff know. Pierce. Yeah. <laughs> Was I claimed? Is that the way it worked? Yeah. No one else showed up, so I got the. Uh, I was the only name on the ballot. Well, I don't know, man. I think it's I think, just I think on we, your. On, I think we covered it in the tribute to Kingston that you I run the town. Did, yeah. yeah, yeah. I think you run the town. Hey, buddy, welcome back to the show. Uh, it's so good to be back. And actually, yeah. thank you for not. Uh, I actually I tried to cram a little Boba Fett um, in anticipation of this, but I only got into the. I got to the end of episode two. Well, you're okay so, then, because the third one that we just were going to do a review on, man, I got a lot of hate. And I'm, we won't, you know, spoiler alert. So we won't. I love it though. We, I, I was fine. I, I'm fine with the layers. Got to tell you. Okay. Yeah. I, yeah. You know. All right. And I'm going to keep on watching it. I, I, uh, I was yeah. you know, the whole, the whole thing. Uh, it's, I find, I found the whole idea of the Boba Fett show uh, to be a little bit mystifying because he's such a, um, he sort of, he lives more in legend than he does as far as like actual, uh, you know, and I know he's he's a big part of the canon. I know the stuff that goes beyond the the first three movies, but he has such a small part, really, in the first three. That's movies. a really good point. Is, there's uh, a lot of mystery behind him. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. and uh, so I kept on expecting something to happen, and maybe it will. And it's interesting you bring up the the Luke and uh, or not the Luke, the uh, the Han and and whatever her name Queen. is, because uh, yeah. it seems like it seems like there hasn't there hasn't yet seemed to be a reason to be for the whole series in my. In my mm-hmm. mind, the way that the when the Mandalorian came out uh, and everyone was like, OK, this is going to show the Mandalorian. That was really it was all about Baby Yoda. Like it was the that was the thing. That was the hook. That was the amazing thing. And that was what everyone got pulled into. And mm-hmm. I'm curious to see if something that large uh, from the canon is going to appear in the whole Boba Fett mm-hmm. So. There was this sort of thing of like, well, we've got Baby Yoda now, and uh, there's all these toys that went with it. So to Chris's yeah, point, it's sure like was. now all of a sudden we have a Baby Rancor no, that's entering yeah. the mix, and it's like, eh, 
Yeah, maybe. Well, I, I was thinking of Baby Wookiee. Baby Wookiee, maybe? That yeah, would have been little, huge. Little and Chris, I hear your point about the, uh, you know, it's like there's no such thing as a bad dog. There's dogs that are trained to be bad. And mm. if that Rancor, you know, the Rancor that was terrorizing people in Jabba's pit, that might have just been one that was trained to be bad. Maybe they're not naturally bad. Yeah, yeah. You'll see this one coming in, like, because if you did know that, Jeff, small spoilers for you. But the the Rancor was born and he had blinders on and hasn't seen anything yet. So everybody's like, oh, he should be vicious and mad. It's like, well, he doesn't know anything yet. His eyes are covered. And he imprinted himself with the first person he saw, which was Boba Fett. And everybody hated that, man. They were just... Oh, really? Oh, oh yeah. I dig okay. it. I, I thought it was late. There was, I was there's okay some with layers it too, there. Because as Brent mentioned, it showed the atta- the attachment that the gentleman at Return of the Jedi had. Remember how sad his owner was when oh, he died? Oh, yeah, like, absolutely. Yeah. So it, it justified it, – it will justify that in a way for you, I think, Jeff. Yeah, so I didn't have a problem with that. My only problem was with some of the other stuff that I mentioned. But right. I thought the Rancor is cool. Cool. Uh, now, listen. Listen to me. <clears throat> this record is out. Yeah, there it is. Oh, hey, Nice. This record is out, all right, nice. by this band called Moist, uh, that just consistently puts out solid records. Look at those young-looking fellas. Look at those young-looking guys. I think uh, I think uh, y'all got the Benjamin Button going on here. Yeah, you know, that was actually. Dave, I got to. Why you have this still up there? That shot, yeah, yeah. Uh, was my rule in that shot. That was shot upstairs in my every everyone. We had to take our own pictures, <laughs> um, and in our own houses. Yeah. So we were instructed to stand against a white wall and have our significant others photograph us with with our iPhones. That's funny. Right. The guy who put it together, I don't think he realized that I'm actually the same height as David and Mark and slightly oh. taller than Kevin. <laughs> so <laughs> it's not it's not height act. What do you used to say that not with the height action figures no. right there? Yeah. Well, listen, uh, we're going to see you back on the road soon. But for now, I got to tell you something, man. Um, this record is fantastic. Thank and um, I am, I was telling Chris, like, um, listen, your, your band, okay, you write songs. Uh, how do I explain? The best way to explain it is this. When I hear the start of a Moist song and I start listening to it and then I go, man, I really hope they go there with it. And you do. <laughs> every time you go there predictable yes well not predictable from the standpoint of like just the hooks we hear a lot of music sheer, too right like there's yeah. a lot of stuff going on and um and i i just i i love it because like i i just think that it's it's the record is done so well sonically i was listening to it you know in buds which i think this right everyone needs to listen to in the earbuds and mm-hmm. all the rest of it and walking and there's just so much going on in that, in that, in, on the record. So, kudos, man. It's it's a it's a great record. You uh, must thanks, feel really good about it, man. You I must feel really good. So much. Yeah, no, it actually feels great to be. We've been talking about it now for uh, well since the first time that I was on the show, which was <laughs> yeah. a year ago, uh, yeah. I think. And uh, uh, and it was done then, and it's it's just been sitting in limbo for so long now. And to actually have it out for the world to to hear is 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 really. A relief, actually. It's amazing. It's really great. But I still remember, I mean, just like that photograph was put together from from each of us taking a picture in our own in our own house, we all recorded a lot of the parts in our own homes as well. It was very much a yeah. pandemic rest, uh, re- pandemic record. Yeah. And to hear it now as one whole thing, you don't get that sense at all. It really sort of feels cohesive and it feels like a band playing playing in a room. Yeah. Um, I, I wanted to, that's funny because, because uh, we're having Todd on today and slash did the same thing. Their record, their record was done just to sit in them all. To, they were actually together in a room collectively getting COVID and making a record. 
so it was a, it was a whole thing but but uh i love that it really sounds live so did you produce this thing no, Mark produced it. So the guitar player for Moist, uh, yeah. he he produced it. He he helmed the whole thing. We got together and did a couple of writing sessions in in the winter of uh, 2020, and immediately went into the studio after as soon as we got ten songs. And we were in the studio for four days, doing during which we recorded drums and bass and scratch guitars and that kind of thing. And on the fourth day, we got the call that the world was shutting down. Mm -hmm. And so I quickly jumped in my car, drove back to Kingston. It was the, whatever it was, March 19th, um, March 20th. And uh, so we had to then do everything else afterwards. And, and But hearing it all come together, like the, the title track, End of the Ocean, for example, it was a way different kind of song when we tracked it than it became. And uh, when I said Mark, the bass part for that, we're not going to hear that song, but for anyone who actually has heard it, mm -hmm. uh, there's a really pulsing bass part to it that I thought was good. And Mark then recreated the entire arrangement of the song based on that. And I remember walking through Cat Woods listening to, that's Kingston for anyone who doesn't know what Cat Woods mm -hmm. is, uh, with the headphones on listening to what Mark had done with it. And it was like, yeah, man, it feels like, the, it feels like the band, the band's back together, nice. even though we haven't yeah. seen each other for weeks. Yeah. So who, who, okay. So who writes predominantly is it a collective effort because like i listen to so many i sent chris like a bunch of stuff and then you know chris and i love to bounce shit when we used to write songs i got reason to just bounce stuff off and it was so much yeah. fun to just do it um but like tip of my tongue for instance on this record we i both really like I that one love this tune and it's just sonically in there and i'm walking I'm, as i'm walking and i'm like oh i wonder if they're gonna jam out oh there they're jamming out oh they're gonna do <laughs> this and it just it reminded me of like bands that are that you know, it's not as cookie cutter. It's like, no, we can play and listen to us. It's I got some great hooks, but some of the, the best hooks in that song outside of the chorus is all the stuff you guys have layered onto it. It's yeah, so, it's I thought so the good. same thing, especially so coming good. out of that solo, the bridge, the vocal bridge out of the solo yeah. part there. Right. Yeah. And the solo is not like your average noodly solo. It's very sonic. No, it's, it's a, really cool. And it's just, it's a, it's a, it's a lead. It's a part. It's a lyrical part. It's yeah. It's really not well. a wailing huge. So that song actually has an interesting story. If you're uh, oh great, let's hear it. Yeah, yeah. So when Moist uh, went on hiatus in 2001, um, I did some recording with David after that, and uh, did some touring with David, and uh, and I was doing some writing with David, and I came up with a whole whackload of songs uh, that I was sort of writing that I didn't have a have a anything for. So I ended up forming a band um, called Rye, and it was myself and a guy named Sean Kelly who uh, oh, yeah. plays with uh, uh, Lee Aaron and uh, Gilby mm. Clark and uh, uh, Nelly Furtado. He didn't play with any of those people then. He was, he was, uh, <laughs> he, uh, but he has since. And, uh, mm -hmm. uh, and a couple other guys from Toronto and I was the singer and the guitar player. And we made a record. I made a record basically in my, in my home studio with a bunch of songs. And one of those songs was tip of my tongue. Um, and I always loved that song and uh, the guys in Moist always really liked it as well. But the band kind of, I decided I didn't want to be a singer and I didn't want to be a guitar player. So the band didn't really go very far after that. But I always felt like it was a bit of a shame that that song never got a chance to really shine. And I always felt like David would do such a good job singing it. So when we were looking for songs for this record, I brought that song into the guys. And uh, and yeah, so that's actually a 16-year-old song. Man, and, and that you wrote that. You, you brought that to I the did. party. I did. And I don't want to, I know I... Maybe that's why I love, like, I love it so much. It does have a feel to it. 
it to me. Right. It does have this feel um, out of well, I know sixteen years is like mid mid two thousands, but it still kind of feels coming out of that nineties. And I don't want to go full retro on it, but it just sonically, it was like, God, they're just going for it. It was great it, for me. Yeah. yeah. It always felt like a moist, like it should be a moist song to me yeah. too. So like, it felt like a 90s yeah. moist song. It felt like kind of Work, like buddy. a cross between Breathe and and Silver or something like that. So, yeah. So this had to be, you know, you know, a COVID record. So you're writing from home and everyone's throwing in parts. Um, yeah. But you, we did still you- do, there's actually two songs that came fully formed by various members. One was that one. And one was a song called high on it, which yeah. is a piano and vocal song that Kevin brought to the party fully formed. The other songs um, were very much jammed out in a, reho- mm. in a recording studio. So and usually they come up the process is usually that Mark brings in a guitar riff and we start jamming it and David starts blah, blah, blah on top of it. And the whole thing, when, when David blah, 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 is something that, that Kevin and I hear and really like, then we start hitting it with with harmonies and the whole thing mm. is constructed that way. And that's the way that voice songs have always been, have always been written and, uh, and continue to be. So yeah, that, Dave, that's that cool. Dave guy can spin a hook. I'll tell you. He sure can. He's great. <laughs> and he's, and he's, even as, you know, his, his lyrics that come out of, of him as well, which are mostly, so much of it comes out of just improving on the fly and, uh, wow. uh, and he still comes up with really compelling, uh, you know, imagery. Yeah. Yeah. I made a, a, a tweet yesterday. I told uh, Todd this too, that um, it, it, could we see a Juno oh, yeah. award, award ceremony that features moist um, our lady peace, big wreck, you know, I'm Mother Earth, Sloan, all at once, and all kind of knock, albums, knocking right? all these, knocking all these youngins out of the way, and saying, no, 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 this is how you do it. Because yeah, no, we got the albums, man. We're we got the records here. now. Because Our Lady Peace are putting out what they deem their best record. You guys just, yeah. just put out a fantastic album. Mm-hmm. Big Wreck just consistently banging out amazing oh, they keep stuff. Keep on putting stuff out, yeah. So it's That's- just like God. It's so, I'm so it's so exciting for somebody like me that's such a fan of Canadian music. <laughs> you never know, and I and I, I mean, I, I'm very excited about that are about our record and I'm excited about all of our contemporaries, new records as well. The headstones mm-hmm. did a great record last year as well. And, uh, uh, many other bands just keep on putting out, out good stuff. I the threw them in I- there too. I threw them in there. The headstones, I got, I'm on the earth waiting for them to finally put one out, uh, mm-hmm. waiting for, uh, Sloan to put one out. Um, and we have to, you know, I apologize to like the trues and some of those bands, but they came in after. So right. they, yeah. did. No, they did. Well, that's the <laughs> thing is out, I hope yeah. that, I you know when I when I heard when I heard ammunition on Shom today, like I mentioned earlier, um, I was like, yes. At the same time, a little part of me was like, I hope we didn't take a spot away from some new band that really needs. Oh to no, play, man! So, let the music do the talking, buddy. Yeah, sure. all let right. The music do the talk. You did a video all for good. ammunition. I'm going to throw it up here right now. Just bear with me for a second. I'm going to have to mute. I think, but I'm going to throw this up. Uh, you just did this video, uh, I believe today. Yeah, it's exciting, man. It's exciting to do that and. Uh, and to um, what were some of the spots yeah. in there? Yeah, it was awesome. Some of the spots that you yeah. were, that you were playing there. What were some of the the yeah, places? Yeah, so the first it started off with Lee's Palace in Toronto. Oh, in yes. 1994. Yeah, um, I didn't see then, the big Lee's in there. I think we had a backdrop. Oh, okay, yeah. that was yeah, yeah. That's why I didn't recognize Lee's Palace just yeah. from back in the nineties, right? Yeah, exactly. And I think the reason why there was a backdrop is because that footage was filmed for a CBC TV show called ear to the ground i remember, I remember that. that okay yeah yeah, yeah. And so that's why that exists and okay. uh, and what else was in only, there uh then there's a shot from the junos at cops coliseum in 1995 right. i think um and then there's some stuff from um uh from the live resurrection video we did a resurrection video uh song yeah. for the video for the song resurrection live that we shot 
in the Molson Arena in Barry and the Verdun Auditorium in in uh, Montreal. Um, nice. And so it shots from there, and then but it goes it goes it goes through time. It continues on. There's there's being shots from Big Sky Festival in Calgary, and uh, mm-hmm. and right up to playing the uh, you know my first show back with the band was opening for live at uh, the festival de Quebec uh, Dete Festival Dete in Quebec FEQ mm-hmm. uh, in in uh 2019 and uh so the shots from that as well uh at the end so it's very much it moves through time that's but in the first shot <laughs> we kind of missed the first shot and i hope people if they check it out on on youtube ammunition moist uh the very first shot is a shot from our very very first tour of us all crammed into, into a white ford econoline mm-hmm. and setting off across the country for the very first time with you guys it was funny because you could you could feel the nervousness in there just the electricity though you know what i mean like oh yeah how is this gonna work out we're stoked this is gonna work out. yeah <laughs> yeah that was yeah. awesome well, definitely one of the Look best live one of the best live bands i've seen i've, I've had the pleasure of doing sh- tour managing bands that open up for you guys i've done a lot of work with david over the years as a you know tour manager opening you know with bands that have opened up and everyone's been gracious and great um it's time f- again to see these bands live again. And you guys are definitely one of the best live bands in the country. Um, hopefully we'll get to see you back out there on tour. I know that whole tour kind of went away with you guys and headstones and everybody because of what was going on, yep. but maybe we'll that, see something, you know, absolutely. We're dying to play. And it seems like there's a, an appetite for, there's going to be a big appetite for shows whenever that, whenever that can be. So it's just a matter of, uh, you know, everyone continuing to get their, their boosters and hopefully each continued each passing strain will get less and less, you know, you know, harmful. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We should be hitting the tail yeah. end of this. We got to I sure hope so. Yeah. Gotta be. Do you, um, what are you feeling about the record overall as far as your work? I know, I know it's pretty cliche for artists to go, this is the best work we've ever done, but collectively given the time that we're in and just sort of what's happening and bands, finding new ways to make albums and make make music where is this going to sit for you i think it's the best record we've ever done so uh <laughs> that's saying yeah. that's uh saying a lot this it's show the is worst thing we've ever put out <laughs> i don't know a, i'm yeah. feeling really guilty well, one of these times that one of these times a band is going to be like man it's shit but that's <laughs> yeah. on what right. i was you thinking know? <laughs> oh you know no you know what i i'm really proud of it i think it's really i think it really holds together i think it has a a lot of really uh uh i think it I think it answers the question of what moist used to be with the question of what moist is now. I think it's sort of a, yeah. a good cross. That's what I was going to say, things. would you be able to relate it to any other album in your past? Or is this like, like well, would this be a continuation of maybe something you think or no? It's funny because we, we purposely set out to try to make a record that sounded like Creature in a way, which is our second right. record. Okay. Because I think that even Creature's sort of the... It was a. It's a record that we are. It was our. It was our difficult second child, as I have referred to it before. It was mm-hmm. a really tough record to make. We basically wrote and recorded the whole record twice. Essentially, there's a whole record wow. of stuff that just didn't make the cut. Um, mm-hmm. And as we were trying to find the thing, but in the end, we're we're really happy with the way that it came out, and it was a really fun record to to uh, promote because it was so rocking and it's so raw, mm-hmm. and it was really fun playing those songs, songs like Resurrection and Tangerine, and and uh, um, it was great fun to play those songs live. But uh, so we're trying to sort of re- recapture that. It's also a really good sonically sounding record. Our mm-hmm. first record 
uh, silver was has that had you know our first hit push on it, yeah, and our second hit silver on it um, was recorded basically in a in a jingle studio in Vancouver, so it didn't have wow. It's a much smaller sounding record, mm-hmm. uh, whereas we recorded Creature in in uh, Atlas Studio in Morin Heights, where they'd recorded Rush and, mm-hmm. and the Police, and it was a big wow. sounding record. And so uh, that was kind of the sound that Mark wanted to capture again with it. Nice, but, nice. Yeah, and I think he succeeded. But I think also because of the whole of the pandemic, the necessity of the way we recorded, I think there's also elements of our third record in there as well, Mercedes, which was a more mm-hmm. more uh, sort of thoughtful, quiet, um, and uh, introspective record. And I think we, we hit some notes of that in this record as well. It sounds like, like it's a nice bridge between the two. I, I like that it's a loud record. And I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah. crashy, bangy, loud. Um, it's loud, and it's not. I don't mean loud as in heavy. It's not like you got these big, giant, heavy riffs. It's just loud and crashy and bangy. And it's cool. I mean, that ammunition is great. Um, yeah, rock um, and roll. As I said, the tip of my tongue, which is like, wow, you know, they just keep going for it. So it's pretty, really, it's really cool. Party's over. Some of the other stuff. Then Tarantino, obviously, we had you on a couple months ago, and, and yeah. with the video for Tarantino, it's just crashy and bangy, and yeah, I like it. I like this. You guys we've always, back. Yeah, we've always kind of joked that the sound of moist is the sound of everyone playing everything together all the time. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, I always like to ask thing. songwriters on, on this kind of side um, of things because you touched on, you know, wanting it to sound a little bit like Creature and, and when artists go into write albums, you, you kind of have this lightning in a bottle or, where a song will come out of it and go, wow, yeah, we got it. We got it on that, you know, on that we we kind of got the tone i think you touched on it earlier with tip of my tongue what was that song that kind of amongst all of these though were you guys like yeah, i think we're there I yeah think we're there. it was it was a song called called i think it was a song called the millions uh mm. either that or ammunition they both came out on the same the same weekend of writing and i remember recording we were, we recorded uh the sessions as we were writing so we didn't and i remember driving home from montreal to kingston and i just kept on hitting play on 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 the millions i was like this is it this is the this is the one mm-hmm. uh, i felt like that and it's funny because actually the i was so sure that was going to be um the first single and i think we all were we all thought that was going to mm-hmm. be the one and then over the course of production these other songs just sort of kind of became elevated a little yeah. bit and uh um and so and actually it was ammunition was also same kind of idea like we thought when we got it, we were like, this is something. There's something really good about this. Mm. It's really, really working. Um, but it really came together more in the studio than it did in, in the writing session. Like, uh, you know, we had this idea yeah. of this choral middle section with the repeated line over and over again. And uh, and that was sort of more of a concept than it was a, a part. And it was only in, when we were recording it that that really started to take take shape in a way that was really memorable and, and good and in a way that the record company really responded to they're the ones yeah. who decided that would be the the focus track so that's always nice too when you get the uppers saying oh you know what uh, you got it i hear you this one right yep. i hear you I, yep. you guys are gonna make it yeah. i'm gonna i'm gonna call uh jerry down there we're gonna get some cassettes out come in here dear boy have a yeah, cigar right. you're gonna go far <laughs> call uh jim and jerry call, come on, uh, yeah call the guy down at the radio station and yeah uh, we'll see what we can do there but uh it's, it's yeah. uh because it's got to be uh, i mean obviously we never had any success chris and i did but we certainly loved writing songs together and then when you write a song and then you kind of look at each other and you go, whoa, 
holy moly like that that one's cool but holy shit did we ever and then you just like instantly you're like in your head going god that's gonna be great live oh man i can't wait to do this i remember getting so excited when chris would bring a riff in and it would turn into something and then i'd throw something at him and he'd throw something back and then we'd have this song and we'd be like man i can't wait to play this live when's our next show and we would just go into it you know (laughs) it's funny because over the course of time with moist the there has been moments where where people have brought in fully complete songs but Mm -hmm. that's kind of always a harder sell it's harder for for any one of us to go to the guys i got this really great song you know, and then play it and like, turn it's going to be really good. You know, that kind of thing. It's way better when it's just a, you come in with just a scratch of an idea. Someone else of us has a scratch of an idea and yeah. to watch collectively us all have this moment of, whoa, this is good. Like, this is really good. It's way more of a powerful thing. That's a band, than, right? Like a that's band. a band exactly. as opposed to like yeah. an artist or whatever. And that's the thing that we always have with the band. I remember, and I remember those moments. I remember the moment when I remember sitting on, on Mark's bed in the uh, apartment that Mark and I shared in Vancouver and Kevin and David came over to write and we, we, we were sitting on Mark's bed because it was the biggest room in our two bedroom apartment. Mm-hmm. And we were sitting there and Mark had this riff. Jeez. And we were banging and David was like a little bit more. And, and Kevin and I joined in on the course with the, with the, you know, push just a little too late. And David kept on going. And there's a little hook thing that happens in that course where Kevin and I come in after the third bar to repeat it. And it was a mistake, but it happened. And when the mistake happened, we were like, all of us were like, oh man, this is it. This is good. And we, it's, it's good. And I remember that with, and I remember that with silver and I remember that with resurrection and tangerine. And I remember that with breathe. Mm-hmm. And I remember how those moments where the songs come together. And I definitely remember that with millions. And I remember that with ammunition. Nice. Yeah, those, those are great. Those are musicians that I used to say to my bandmates, especially live too. I was like, man, there's moments we have as a group that nobody else will ever understand. Even if we explain what's happened in this room or on this stage, nobody's ever going to get it. And because like, I used to love that camaraderie of a band, you know what I mean? Like, especially before the show. Um, and I was used to say that, like, there's moments, guys, that we're going to have. And I used to like locking eyes with other guys like, that nobody will ever understand. I think you're, we were discussing one of them, right? Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, like when absolutely. you write that song yeah. and you have that zing. Oh. Yeah. And then on the flip side to that, given the current state, you have that song, you have the right, you can't wait to get in there and record it. Uh, and then you're like, but man, when do we get to play it live? And then we, when we get to do the whole thing like this record, uh, I know people debate about whether bands should play new material, but um, there's something about, and I'm just going to go out here on the Canadian side for a minute. Everybody has been consistently putting out great stuff. So I can understand, like, forgive me. I can understand kiss for instance people are like i don't want to hear new kiss unless it's really 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 good and most of the times i mean it's probably not really 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 good it's okay man kiss, yeah but kiss is about a memory right and kiss is about you just want to see that and i'm not comparing all these bands to kiss because it can apply to if, Spr- if springsteen puts out a shit song no one is going to want to hear it. they just want to hear this or hear that but you guys you know i find as canadians we gotta we gotta fight the canadian bands have to keep they're putting, you know, big record putting out or two records or a year, whatever. <laughs> like everyone's putting out <laughs> constant stuff and they're upping the game consistently. And I feel like it was never the headstones versus moist and I'm other earth versus our lady peace. But, but deep down it kind of was as to who's going to out, like just be, be, you know, who's going to carve out and win and win the race. And everybody kind of was racing at the same time. And you guys have put a record out front to back 
that could be played completely from beginning to end. And I think your fans would be like, I'm in play the whole thing and then we'll play it. Then we'll play the hits. And I, I'm really happy for you guys on that front. This is such a solid record, man. That's awesome. And and, you know, I really appreciate it. It's really great. That's great. One thing that we, we purposely did too, is uh, we wanted to make it because you know, everyone's, everyone streams these days, CDs are being outsold by vinyl. Um, Mm -hmm. So we wanted to make a record that would be, that would fit well on vinyl on two sides of vinyl with five songs each side, just like, just like you swore, you know, like uh, which is my go-to record for, you know, this the pinnacle of of what recording meant to me was that record, and mm-hmm. this song's this record is like that, which means it's only forty-two minutes long. So you actually can, you could actually play the record start to finish for the audience, and still have time to play an awful lot of other. Yeah, stuff. man, absolutely. Yeah, I played it twice on my walk yesterday. Yeah, <laughs> it's a short record. It was yeah. great. So. It's like an old school. It's like an, an old, old school, school record. Yeah, yeah. it's, it's really good. And yeah. Please, uh, if it means anything on this from this tiny little show, but please tell your bandmates and uh, everybody mm-hmm. that uh, they've done a fantastic job, and you guys should all be excited. About I will. About to come, about and what, hopefully, about. They, you can tell them yourself when you promote a show for us in Vancouver. Sometimes, so there you go. Wouldn't that be lovely if, it, <laughs> if I had if I had the power to do that? But I I got a phone. I can call some people. So all right, good. good. So, so where can we get the album? Where That's can we awesome, get the album? Uh, Spotify, Apple Music, YouTube, uh, all the streaming services. There's probably more than I'm thinking that I'm not thinking of. You can also buy it from uh, the. There's a store on our website. Um, and, okay. Uh, the website is moistonline.com and it is. you can probably buy it from Amazon. You can probably buy it from your local CD retailer. If you've got one of those in your neighborhood and please right. do support those people as well. If you can, I know yeah. that I got some, I heard some people were getting their record at sunrise and that kind of thing. So I know um, I'm going to go try to find it on vinyl. Um, I'm, going vinyl I'm actually, is, yeah. I'm actually you can order it on vinyl go. now, but it's going to be, it'll be, the vinyl's a little delayed, I think. So yeah. I leave to go on tour this week and I'm not back till mid March. So if you guys could just kind of get that done before the time I get back, and then I can buy it. <laughs> if it's not done by then, heads will roll. I'm pretty yeah. Sure, so. Awesome, buddy. I really appreciate you making the time today. Thanks yeah, Jeff. So yeah, thanks so much, man. Back to the show. Uh, and, anytime, uh, anytime. Are you going out to shovel now? I already did my shoveling. Now I'm going to go take care of my dog. I don't know if you guys can hear him through the headphones, but. Uh, no, uh, no. I got, Do you have I a snowblower? No. Do you have a snowblower? House. No. <laughs> Me neither. I like. I think we're the only two guys in our area that do not have a snowblower. Yeah, I think you're right. I think you're do right. Do you have the nice I neighbor did. that comes comes oh, over? Well, no. I noticed our our no. <laughs> yeah, I know, buddy. I know. I, I feel your pain. Yeah. I'm, I'm watching my neighbors. See, here's the thing that gets me, Jeff, is I'm watching a neighbor go and do my one neighbor and then go across the street and do the other neighbor and just kind of wave at me and go back in his house. And I'm like, really, buddy? My wife was saying exactly the same thing. She's like, what and, and, and he's helping this other guy who's, he's got, the other guy he's helping us has a snowblower. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And we'll see if the plows come by again to make, to make all of the hard work I did disappear. So, cause this buddy. is the second, the second plow pass is the one that always kills you. It is. Yeah, it's up to it was up to my waist at the end of my driveway today. People were getting stuck, turn like going around the corner there because all the guys in the end were snow blowing it to the middle of the road. Oh no! And then those plow wipes are right into your. Yeah, of course. Oh yeah, yeah. It's a mess. Yeah. Life in Canada, my friends. There you go. Thanks, Jeff. Yeah, okay, thanks, buddy. Time, thanks, buddy. You guys be well. All the best to you and the band and everybody. Okay, thank you very much. Take you. Thanks. Take man. care. We'll see you soon. Bye bye. Right on, Jeff. Bye. See you, bud. Well, that was fun. Thanks to Jeff uh, from Moist for uh, for joining us this week. Awesome stuff. Yeah, Leonard, that, thanks, buddy. Yeah, Deadly. The, it's uh, really great record. That band, and as mm-hmm. I touched on in the interview, that band. Was... Well, that was fun. Thanks to Jeff uh, from Moist for 
for joining us this week. Awesome stuff. That album Thanks, buddy. is deadly. It's really great record. That band, and as mm-hmm. I touched on in the interview, that band, when they write, when I listen to that band, especially this new album, they are one of those bands that when you start hearing the song, I go, man, I really hope they go here with it. And they mm-hmm. do every nice. single time that band. And, and I, I don't know if that's a Usher, David Usher thing uh, um, as far as how he. Well, as, the we were, stuff, as we were but, discussing as well, little known fact, because, you know, that, you know, nobody likes the bass player, as the kids in the hall skits would say. <laughs> Jeff Jeff's a key songwriter uh, in yeah. the band Moist as well. Right. Not only yeah. does he play the boss. Slapping that bass. Um, yeah. He does great vocals as well, and he's a key songwriter in the band. So cheers There's to Jeff. So Thanks, many, buddy. so really many hooks it. on that on that record. I uh, I did a tweet about it last night, saying, um, "Is it? It is possible that uh, the Junos this year could feature a rock category with Moist, Our Lady Peace, Big Wreck, <laughs> Headstones." Maybe wow. I'm Mother Earth. They decided to do it, and maybe this guy that's coming on now, yeah, he, he, can, he can put it all back together with Tuke, or maybe he can call the brothers and do a thing, the other brother and the other brothers, and do a thing, and maybe we'll get an Age of Electric. Wow, entry. I'm not sure, but uh, welcoming back to the show, Mr. Hey, Todd. Todd. How are you, Yay. sir? Hey, we'll call it the Edge Fest reunion tour. That's what <laughs> I said. I said this is right? like Edge Fest '90. It's basically if those bands put. You know, if the Headstones put out a, a record and I'm Mother Earth put out a record, you guys put out a record. It's it's basically covering 97 to 99. Wow, <laughs> and what a great time that was in all of our lives. I had a great time in that area as well. There's it a lot really of, uh, was the high watermark of Canadian rock. You know, I mean, like we like I say, we would go. We could pl- have edge fests where the Tea Party is playing above Green Day or above yeah. the Foo Fighters back then or, you know, or Arlie yeah. Peace or somebody like that would be like. It was all on par. As soon as you crossed into Canada, you you know you were the bands in Canada were just as big as some of the American bands. A lot of people, you know, hated the CanCon thing, and I thoroughly embraced it. I love it. That's some of the I, I thought there were so many great bands. You know, well, it, it was good for me. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, <laughs> it was. <laughs> Uh, you're a busy guy. You're down in LA. Thanks for making the time today, man. Or you're mm-hmm. somewhere you're rehearsing, um, doing some stuff and getting ready, uh, to head out with the other guys and slash, uh, yeah, look miles, at those miles and all those guys. You're actually going to go do shows. Look at this. There's a nice. tour lined up with slash. That's going to back up this record, uh, that's coming out in a couple of days. So Sweet. that's exciting stuff for you, huh? It's pretty crazy considering how wacky, this planet has been mm-hmm. um, agreed, but it, you know, we made this thing back in March, April of 20 of 21. And, you know, we sort of, we figured we'd jump on it cause we thought, well, we're not doing anything. Let's go make a record. And then it just sort of sat in the can. It was quite an epic journey, honestly. Like we went there in a, in a tour bus with the intention of, of living in a studio and, a big basically airbnb but a ranch house and we just sort of bounced back and forth you know to keep our bubble tight and it didn't matter we got covid you know four or five, four to five of us got covid wow crazy but we still made a record mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah i mean it's and it's something that uh, the videos that i can't play it of course because we're going to get shut down if we do but um you know on all that stuff but uh, it's a different sound too you guys recorded it differently this time right yeah, we recorded with uh, Dave Cobb. You know, he's done a lot of amazing Chris Stapleton, uh, Rival Sons. And, you know, 
I think what really scratched uh, Slash's itch was the we're going to record this thing as live as possible, which is always nice. something he's really big on. Apocalyptic Love was in 2012, which is going on 10 years ago, wow. um, was recorded very live as well. So this one was um, even more live. Like they were talking about like Black Sabbath's first album and Led Zeppelin's wow. first album and early Aerosmith. And that was all the touchstone references. So no click tracks, no no gridded drums, no auto-tuned vocals. Wow, that's it, impressive. Yeah, a lot of it right off the floor. Like Miles, quite a few of Miles' lead vocals were just sung with us while he was probably starting to think to himself, man, I don't feel very well. What if I have COVID? <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know? And then like, you know, five days later, he's, we, we did all basically that most of the recording was done within five days. There's a bit of the uh, you know massaging that goes along after that. Like we we didn't do harmonies and backing vocals, um, so that had to be dealt with. Miles did have to eventually sing a few things because, well, he basically fell off because he was sick. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, a lot of it was done really live in a huge legendary RCA recording building in Nashville. That'll you know the pictures on the wall were nuts and you know it used to be owned by chet atkins and waylon jennings would record mm. over there over here and dolly parton was over there and you know so it was very pretty surreal do you prefer that style or do you like to actually track it i honestly i don't think there's a wrong answer for that um you have to ask brent that i guess though uh, the, being the drummer like he'd be like oh yeah it's a lot of pressure when you're playing and what's happening yeah. right now this is the record you know, there's no kind of like, I mean, I suppose if there was something glaringly terrible that you felt like, dude, I can't have that on the record, you have to kind of go back and repair that. Um, right. But, you know, since making that record, I've made a few other recordings since then in every other configuration. Sometimes tracks are coming from Europe, you know, and I'm playing on it and, you know, and, and things are being bounced around. And other times I'm with somebody, but we still kind of, massage the drum performance along or, or or massaging together two or three different takes into one master take i don't really think there's any wrong way to do it i just think you know slash and in some for some reason in this configuration there is that sort of challenge of like not everybody can do this you know especially mm -hmm. by the 21st century standards not everybody can just kind of like play red light comes on capture this boom that's the record you know um, so the challenge of it, I'm, I was up for it. Did you find that recording it more of the live, uh, more live gave it more of a rock and roll feel in the end? Oh yeah. I think that's sort of almost unavoidable really. I think it was very, that's great too. That's what the world needs yeah, more rock it, and roll bands. Right. And that, what a great way. And, and it seems like that would be what Slash would do. You know what I mean? That's, oh, like, yeah. When you mentioned that, I was like, oh, that's so cool. That's, that's a hundred percent Slash's MO is like, he, he really doesn't like, because uh, to you, you know, to anybody else, the, the casual listener, now they're not thinking to themselves, you know, is he feeling this solo? Is he in the right. moment, you know, because he's had to play this solo six times and they mm -hmm. kind of put this together with that. You know, in, in a lot of cases, people would be quite surprised what it takes to make a, a modern day recording, um, you know, with a, whether it's a vocal or a solo sometimes. And Slash is such an animal of the moment you know what i mean and sometimes that's kind of like he would rather capture the fire of that moment and and if there's a couple of like 
pushes and pulls and rough spots in here and there is kind of like that's part of the sound if you go and listen to those old recordings um they're full of that stuff you know what i mean like robert plant's voice cracks here that speeds up a bit in the chorus it comes back you know yeah. and all that's just natural human stuff and i'm not part of me is kind of like you know because we are so inundated by modern music that that we have a certain standard it's kind of like watching cgi in 2022 versus watching the species movie back in the 90s you know and, right. and going well this mm. is the early days of cgi um right. but you know at the same time when you go back and watch the early star wars stuff as you guys can attest to watching real um effects you know practical effects done um there's something magical about that and that's sort of more yeah. the parable i think we're looking at versus right you know and, and I gotta think, like his style is is really aggressive like soloing wise yeah. too like he's very aggressive how do you find that affects your bass playing at all or do you find it that it affects it no it does it definitely is a you know everything is sort of like metal to the metal even even like slower songs or or more intimate type recordings it still tends to be um which i kind of appreciate about it um mm -hmm. The idea that we don't necessarily need to be, um, you know, I'm not, we're not the kind of players that go, okay, well, now I'm going to pick up my fretless or my upright bass and play. It's like, no, we're a rock band. Yeah, this is, yeah. this is the instrument you play. That's your sound. Right. And of course, it's sort of massaged into if we're playing a slow song or a quiet song, it doesn't really make sense to have this, you know, over the top booming tone. But it's sort of more about finding the sound of the band and that application to and when you look at early zeppelin records and all that i still you can still tell that led zeppelin is the same band playing the sort of more gentle music as it is playing the loud music do you know what i mean mm -hmm. that's, that's a good sort point of yeah definitely definitely i get yeah. that it's a, it's an interesting one because the, the 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 mission right now for a lot of people uh seem to be you know have that perfect perfect recording or perfect sound yeah a you know it's, funny, the, it's same with comic metal, books right just yeah too perfect you know a lot of the metal bands now are kind of sounding like just when i when i kind of brief if i listen to apple or something or spotify and they have a playlist of like breaking hard rock or something and um i'm finding a lot of the a lot of the tones are the same that's a really like, good yeah. point there seems to be but i mean i guess you could say that like you know, you could decipher what an Iron Maiden record sounded like. And there was certain production in the 80s. So Metallica records and Iron Maiden albums and Judas Priest, all, I guess, in essence, had a bit of the same tone-ish to it. And then it moved to a different tone and a different tone. Um, but I'm finding now more than ever, almost every tone is the same on that side of it. So it's refreshing to kind of get a off-the-floor vibe again. Yeah, to me, it's kind of like slasher flicks in a way, you know, I mean, like, it's, you know, when you when you you see a, a slick horror film, it's cool. But there's something about those kind of like as a kid, it was like, is Texas Chainsaw Massacre a documentary? Right, right. And I think that that's sometimes, you know, the, the Evil Dead, uh, you know, any of those early films, there was something more kind of spookier about them because of the tangible quality of like, you know, because there's something about when you put too slick of, a, of an edge on something like that, you know, it's like, well, I know that's Ben Kingsley, you know, or <laughs> whatever proper mm -hmm. actor, you know, but when it's like, I don't know who these actors are, and they just seem like regular people, and this terrible mm -hmm. thing is happening to them. Um, yeah. So it's I know funny that you bring that up, Todd, because I was thinking of the same thing about that, because like that first scene when the guy... Cr 
not is knocking on the door in Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and then Letterface opens the door, oh. nails him, and brings him in, and then closes the door, and you're like, "What the hell just happened?" Yeah, and exactly. It wasn't, right? it wasn't graphic enough, but you're like, "What?" And then it's so you know, effective. Your brain kind of starts taking over, right? Which is great. yeah, and I'm sure had they had ten times the budget, they would have done something else, but. You know, it's it's like everything else. It's like even Jaws not seeing that shark. We were supposed to have seen the shark pull on for like two hours, you know, but right. you, you do what you can. And, and I find that kind of stuff really inspiring because, you know, whether you're watching the making of Apocalypse Now or anything else, these things are a complete disaster. Like, this is never going to work. And yeah. it somehow goes on to be, you know, just change everything. So... You know, I, it's interesting to me because I can't help but find those parables within music and, and, and every other kind of art mm -hmm. anyway, because everything, you know, you can make all the plans you want. It's as soon as that red light goes on, whether it's the red light on the camera or the red light on the uh, recording, uh, even like doing this, you can have a plan, you know, but it's mm -hmm. like it's the magic that kind of happens, you know, outside of the plan that often makes it the best part. Um. You, so you've been, you know, you've been playing on a lot of things. You've been busy. Obviously, we're seeing you that you're doing gigs with um, your own stuff uh, that you guys did, did, did your own show. You were playing with Bruce Kulik a lot. Um, yeah. God, you're playing with everybody. You're playing with uh, um, Steven Adler. It's, it's so, it's yeah. good, but you, you haven't really stopped. I mean, America's good for that because you can kind of keep going. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. Whereas if Canada's mm -hmm. been a little different, I, I've got a tour coming up and the jury's still out whether I'm going to make it in, yeah, in the country on those. But, um, so you're you're kind of already warmed up. You're not coming back into it and being like, all right, we got to get this back together. I mean, you guys have been mm. and Slash is, from what Brent tells me and what you tell me, is like just all the time wanting to be busy. So you're ready to go, anyways. You're 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 kind of you're in it and uh, already warmed up. So I'm stoked to see what's going to happen here because Slash, all all things aside, and the fact that you know you're our friend and Frank's our friend and Brent, I mean, he's literally put together probably the best live. Band. <laughs> And it has one of the best live bands on the planet and has had it for the last 10 years. Mm -hmm. I'd, even, I'd even minorly argue yeah, over, over, a, the, over, funny, over the other band. But this it's is a, happy a really little accident, band. that thing. You know, yeah. I mean, the, there was never, like, again, it's like there you can put a plan together. Basically, all Slash was trying to do was support the, the solo album he put out in 2010. Yeah. Um, you know, where guys like Miles and myself and, and Brent fell into it. Um, and then two years later, Frank Sidoris is in it. And I mean, without any sort of plan, again, it was just sort of like, we're going to support this record. Even in my mind, I was like, I guess we're going to go do this. And then, you know, a year, maybe three, four months, six months, nine months, I don't know. Whatever it is, we do, we support this solo record, then I'm back to doing whatever else. Um, but the fact that that conversation turned into another album, giving the band a name, that kind of stuff, you know, it's, it is mind-blowing to consider that was... 10 years ago this coming march so it's it's yeah. and, and 12 years since brent and i started playing with uh mm -hmm. with slash and miles so it's wow. it's pretty Great. surreal chris you got to go see it when it comes out it's uh it's quite a live thing now brent or sorry mm -hmm. todd you said that you're in a hotel and you brought the fam including your cats correct <laughs> nice you got the you got the cats there you're traveling you know you're as comfortable as possible when it comes to that but my question to you is would you consider a pet rancor. Ooh, look at that. So <laughs> this is this is the question on everyone's mind right now. Um, our panel is that we generally work on week on weekdays is split on this issue. Um, but let's get into it on the Boba Fett before we let you go. 
what do you think of this particular this picture right here this scene right here what do you think of that it's so exciting dude i was like you know when um when that dude went down the uh, vacant rancor pit in two i guess it was episode mm -hmm. two there is that part of your mind that goes well luke killed that thing 30 40 years ago or something yeah so, um but i'm like i don't know what else they've got down there uh so when he uh you know it's empty you idiot or whatever <laughs> mm -hmm. um but the addition of, of of bringing in that rancor was like oh this is gonna get this is gonna get cool i mean i don't think i would fit him in here to be honest i don't think he would fit in this group. <laughs> i don't think he'd fit him comfortably on the floor i might have to figure something out for him but um me and my wife are old softies if it was up to us we would have a uh, we'd have a rancor in 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 a heartbeat <laughs> <Nice. laughs> but i i don't think we would be training him to uh Although that it's interesting in, in, in watching this, and the coolest thing about Boba Fett, I think, um, which is kind of different from the other properties, is the fact that there is they are playing heavy on the nostalgia aspect of it. You know, as far as it going to on Tatooine, um, Sand People, all that kind of stuff. But they are digging into stuff that we've always had questions about, and questions that I probably yeah. didn't even know that I had about the Tusken Raiders and 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 their their background their story who are the who are they what's their thing and i love watching this stuff kind of play out even though i'm mm -hmm. still like what's under the mask what's under the <laughs> right. the helmet i asked that um, question last week to the guys yeah. really. <laughs> i know it's there is mm -hmm. renderings in artwork and in um comic books and stuff like that but i'm still yeah. waiting for them and this seemed like the opportunity well at some point they have to take that off and, and, and show him something. But uh, mm -hmm. I think that's been the fun part of this. And again, stuff like the ran Rancor, where you're kind of like, okay, well, you know, this is something we we have entertained, well, a long, long time. So, but the fact that we're gonna watch him, uh, and even Danny Trejo's whole thing mm -hmm. about, like, they're actually very gentle creatures. And you're like, oh, well, see, I don't, I, we don't know that. As far as we know, they <laughs> eat people and, and uh, that's sort of the end of what we know about them. <laughs> They're huge and mm -hmm. they eat people. Um, but I, I think it's really interesting. And they make connections with the, the first human they see and all that kind of stuff. You're like, oh, yeah. this is so cool. And I think that's the interesting thing about Filoni and Favreau is this sort of idea of like, it'd be basically like any of us being handed the keys to the kingdom and sort of like, well, what, do we, what would we want to know more about? Which mm. I think is interesting about I suppose the Obi-Wan series coming up with oh, yeah, I can't wait for Aiden that. Christensen and Ewan McGregor, that's also going to be yeah. hugely um, Tatooine-based. So mm -hmm. where the other things, other properties sort of explore a much larger picture of it, we all still have this kind of hang-up on this one planet and then this one story. You know, let's just go to Mos Eisley and just show me every aspect of that. Um, but I think that that's been the most fun about about Boba Fett. I mean, on top of the fact that we're answering sort of like, how did he get out of the, rat, uh, the, the Sarlacc pit? Yeah. Like for 40 years we've been asking that question, and mm -hmm. here we are. So as you were mentioning having uh, them give you the keys, we were discussing like what we would like to see coming up on the show. And I, I always liked when I was younger watching Empire was the, the feet of the bounty hunters and, and them saying, we don't need their scum. And they kind of scanned down these bounty hunters. And as a kid, I was like, wow, these are very interesting characters. Never saw any more on them. And I bought all the action figures. They're in the other room. But um, I would really like to see like Bosk. 
I'd like to see Bosk. I've, I've always liked Bosk since I was a kid. If you had the keys, Todd, where, who would you like to see? Like, would, and there's rumors of Han Solo coming in, of course, right? Um, what, where, who would you like to see come in, my friend? You know what? It, it's so funny that you bring that up because I've been such a um, I've been so afraid, you know, in a funny way. Mm -hmm. Like like in any of the properties, when when something like Eternals doesn't do well, and people go like, "That's it, Marvel's done." And I go, "Dude, we've we've had right. so many missteps in all of our favorite franchises that are still going to this day. There's no, no such thing as it being over." You know, I mean, uh, I don't think any of us would have, you know, if we, if we had talked about this post Jedi um, back then, mm -hmm. that we would still be doing this all these years later, I, I right. just can't imagine that being the fact. So there's a part of me that's kind of like, I'm kind of open. I think I finally have sort of like stopped worrying about it when Favreau got involved mm -hmm. and, and you know, with Filoni and those guys, I just feel like we're in good hands in a way. You know, yeah. a, so yeah. although, although I have a great deal of, of interest and actually it's funny that you bring up some of those bounty hunters in, in reality, mm -hmm. any of those sort of smaller characters, which is, is a much larger conversation as to why, Boba Fett has had the lasting effect that he has had, considering he was really on screen for a very brief time. Um, but the fact that, that Lucas and everybody knew that and were able to kind of milk him into the prequels and everything else, and now into this this stage of it, I honestly don't know. I honestly don't know that there would really be... Uh, I, I'm sort of okay with whatever they want to give me. I think it's kind of like, this is a restaurant that I love to go to, <laughs> and sometimes the special of the day just just bring me that and I, I don't mean to be so i mean i will say that you know the, the introduction of like say black cursitan and stuff like that i'm kind of like well, I want way to remember that. his name buddy i can never i'm always like black k i can never remember his name good one i i had to i really drove it into my head this morning good job buddy <laughs> <laughs> I, i'm impressed that was good but it's like things like that that come in that are are something i'm not that familiar with although i know he's been in comic books and stuff like that um mm -hmm. where you're like which I think is also the beauty of this, having Filoni there to kind of like connect the um, the animated series and the comic books. And this whole world is starting to connect. And I think that's really important for the fans, you know, where I feel like it's, fun, it's funny, Chris. Chris said that last week or when we were on the show about him being in the sorry, I think I got the Decepticon. Cron, whatever it is, not not the Omicron, but I have the Decepticon now. Okay. I don't know what it is. So. <laughs> um, um, but the. Uh, yeah, he, Chris was talking about how they're actually they were actually allies, and then yeah, all, and all the rest of it. And the interesting part, you know, so after listening to Chris break it down like that, when it actually happened that he let him go and was kind of like, you know, you owe me one or whatever it was. I'm wondering if Chris, if that is going to be like the beginning of of this relationship. You know, where they're going to probably going to have him yeah. back for this big war coming up, I'm thinking. And it's, see, there's so many rumors about Han Solo um, and Kira coming in. I could see Kira too with the Crimson Dawn. Um, oh, interesting. And there's the first rumors time hearing now. about it. I didn't hear anybody about Han Solo. This will be very Yeah, because, and, and if you look at um, that train battle, is so similar to the movie of uh, the Han Solo movie, right? And plus, so at this time, the person running everything would be Kira, which was Han Solo's girlfriend. Now, the other rumor that's going on is that one of those, that punker girl uh, that kind of looks like Kira is Han Solo mm -hmm. and Kira's daughter. That's another rumor going around. Is what? that, it's like, why, well, it's, it's like, why bring all these people in, right? There's gotta be something to do with it. Now, breaking it down, my theory is because in the comic books, Chewie had a big battle with Black K. We were showing some of the views there. Um, it'd be pretty easy to bring Chewie in, wouldn't it? 
You know what I mean? Another fan favorite to bring Chewie in somehow. Maybe he's hunting down Black K and they have this um, animosity. Now, there's a shot there, Todd. I don't know if you can see that. Black K in the comic book takes out Chewie with those brass knuckles that Boba Uh Fett took right on the chin. Now, I'm one of those guys that's like, oh, come on. That kind of irked me. That kind of irked me. Well, don't you think maybe the helmet had something to do with that? He didn't have his helmet on at that time. Oh, he didn't have his helmet on. Okay, right. He but. didn't. That was, if he would have his helmet on, I would have been like, yeah, for sure. So that was one thing because the the way that everybody's like, well, imagine if uh, if Black K fought Chewie, who would win? I was like, oh, I got that comic book actually, you know, from, from a couple <laughs> years ago. And, and it's like, how did he beat him? And he beat him. He beat him finally with those brass knuckles, those electric, right there, those knuckles. There it is right there. And so Boba Fett took those right on the chin, which I was kind of like, argh, there's a little error possibly, but uh well, maybe, yeah. Maybe um, but like, anyway, so there's lots. Maybe they're not his updated of- knuckles. Those are the ones that he punched, and now he's got knuckles, and those are the ones that are going to take out Chewbacca. Yeah, they're more like hockey gloves. Could they're be, like right? hockey. Yeah, gloves. It could be different settings on them. Yeah, yeah, it could be different settings on it too, right? Because he was friends with Boba Fett, where Chewie's just like, "No, nah, we're Wookies who hate each other." There's there is there is different angles, but that was uh, that was one thing that I kind of questioned a bit. But uh, um, now the, 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 I, I think the, I think Chewie. I, my, if I was going to say anybody coming yeah. in. I, I'm right this point for some reason I'm thinking Chewie just because it'd be easy to do, um, but that, that's who I, I'm thinking. If I was to throw my we money know on somebody who's coming in, in the right Black Kurtzatan's uh, Kurt, uh, costume. No, I'm curious. I, I didn't even think to look that up, but I'm I'm wondering. Charles I kept Barkley. Like, oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You never know. Definitely a basketball player. Except that the guy in the new Chewie suit is a Swedish guy. Oh, uh, wow. I think. You know. Uh, because of course, mm. uh, you know, there's a new Chewie for the costume. But uh, yeah, um, I, and then I thought to myself, maybe it's the same guy in the Black Kurtzatan costume. I don't know. Hmm. So there's question. two. There's two things. Um, we'll let you go, Todd, because you got to run. But um, just on the on the panel side, from what we're getting uh, as far as pushback goes. Oh, okay. Yes, I'm curious. So the pushback seems to be number one, what that the humanization of boba and giving him a conscience instead of being this deadly bounty hunter is one like it's people it's taking people away from their memory of him okay and then that's one thing i'm hearing and then the other thing i'm hearing is on the rancor thing especially it's like this deadly thing apparently can just be fed milk bone and we're good to go and he's just (laughs) you know and there's sort of this thing where we in our brain this is the most feared creature in all of star wars and then apparently it's not and so that has been getting and i'm i know the panel when we get back to it in the next probably two weeks mm-hmm. is going to be split on this issue, issue. Right. so before we let and you what go, about the bike on, the biker gang too okay and the other thing on the biker thing i wanted to talk about you're talking about cgi there todd the biker thing i was i thought the cgi and that in that scene through the streets was actually shit I didn't like it. Yeah. I didn't like the CGI through that. And then the bikes made it feel a little bit more like Back to the Future. So that was a little bit of a, a weird one for me to see that much the color. Chase in scene. A, 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 yeah, the, the chase scene, but it just, I didn't find that it was done very well from a CGI standpoint, considering what we're used to. So it's almost like we're taking sure. it back to Jason and the Argonauts. So what are your thoughts there, Todd, uh, before we let you go? So Well, I mean, those are all interesting points to me. I think it's still kind of too early for me to get like super bummed out about all of those things. I think like anybody, I was kind of like concerned, but I feel like addressing as far as addressing Boba's behavior of late, I think that that's playing into a much larger conversation probably, or a much, maybe a a bigger, a longer game that he's playing, you know, in trying to kind of, 
you know, sort of, because um, everything's in such a state of flux right now as far as Tatooine's crime lords and all these crime bosses are all, and now the pikes and all that kind of thing. Um, I think that Boba is playing it as sort of like, well, I'm going to try and play it as sort of the good guy so that I can kind of take control of this whole thing. It is very interesting that, um, you know, there was some sort of a, um, allusion to the idea that him witnessing his father's death and sort of realizing that maybe that might have had some sort of play on his long-term ideas of maybe the life of a, mm. of a bounty hunter is like, is, it, is, is destined to just go one way and the one way being like bad, you know, so... He might have had a, a bigger game in plan, but I, I don't think that necessarily means that he won't um, be heavy at, at any given point. As far as the Rancor goes, I think it's, you know, basically all we're, we seem to be complaining about is the fact that we want all these, we want it to be heavier. We want it to be, you know, we want Boba to be um, darker. We want the Rancor to be an, a terrible, scary monster. I think it's, you know, I think it's like anything else. You know, you you, you could take a lion and or, you know, something like that and kind of have it'll be accustomed to one person. It'll still be a terrible eating machine. You know, it's kind of like, (laughs) it's pretty early to kind of get too carried away with what's going to happen with the Rancor. It's a baby Rancor. It's a calf, they call it, you know. Um, um, As far as the, yeah, that last, that last episode with the, with the, you know, what we kind of thought of as the, um, almost like Power Rangers colored bikes. Yeah, that's a good, um, that's a guy like that. Yeah, It had a little bit of a, uh, you know, again, it's like it's such a, a brief moment within a much bigger thing that I'm kind of like, okay, sure, these half, you know, uh, leaning into being cyborg parts, kind of um, with the with the quadrophenia style bikes with the mirrors and all that kind of stuff. You know, it's like it to me, it's just such a brief little thing on the side of a much bigger picture mm-hmm. that I'm that I'm okay with it. Um, I wasn't mad at it. I, I will say that, but. You, that there is a certain lightness to it that I think that the Mandalorian wasn't light at all. You know what I mean? Like it was not afraid to be beheaded the whole yeah. time. Mm-hmm. Um, so this show, you know, it might feel like it's being a little light now, but I have a feeling it's, it's heading in a direction that is unavoidably going to be, you know, action packed and, and, and heavy. Mm-hmm. Well, I like your point about Boba Fett, how he's plotting and planning, you know, I'm, I'm just a guy making his way through the galaxy, right? So he, that's, I've heard that a lot too. It's like, well, he's not tough. And well, for one thing, he was stuck in the Sarlacc pit and for, and he's smart though. That's, that's the thing that I'm noticing about Boba Fett in this new series is that he's very smart. So I'm, I'm with, I, I love that point. I think he's more like playing a chess game at this point, instead of rushing in, you know, instead of ramboing it, you know, well, hey, and running in, he's, he's, he's plotting and planning, man. He's being smart. And I, uh, I think that's a good point, Todd. Good one. I, like I think that. the experience with the sand people really taught him a lot too. Right? About, like, he had to work his way up through that whole thing and became like, you know, really respected in that camp. So yeah. I think he kind of like has sort of had to reevaluate the way he did things in the past. And now he's kind of like, okay, well, for all intents purposes. So, but he's his own character. He's a beloved Chris, uh, Chris, you did a thing at uh, 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 um, TikTok, and you did a, 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 about you know the emotion and and the you know the the fact that the sand people were you know wiped out. I feel like they missed one step on that. He got back, he saw everybody because they all looked the same. I felt like the you know the the emotion was missing a little bit. I think the last thing they could have done there was the kid, and the kid could have been dying when he got there. And then well, he, he pulled like, he pulled out his staff last. The little kid. Yeah, I just I, think, I just thought he could have. I get like, what you're saying, but like I think they tried to, to do that. And, yeah, I get. It. I think they tried to show that. Maybe they failed in this, but sure. with each weapon, because he'd bring up each person's weapon 
and yeah, he, yeah. he'd look at it like you know and put it down and then the last one was the little kids and he spun it around like damn i think dude. he should uh i think they should have brought he should have brought the little kid out yeah so yeah they kind of they, they kind of expect a lot from the audience to recognize each of those yeah right you know, but yeah we want more yeah. Hey, we all want to be nice. weeping like babies. Come on, yeah. what's going on? You're not. You're not. You're not. All right, Todd. Like we got all that go, work buddy. into making us love the 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 sand people, and you're just going to do them like that? Come on, man. I know. I know. Well, this again, is, I don't think that's that's not the end of that chapter either. We know. No, I, I agree. My friend's no, got somewhere to go. That's Todd. Uh, Yay! With Slash and uh, Miles Kennedy and the conspirators and all the rest of it, we just know him as mm-hmm. Todd. Uh, he's got a brand new record coming out, live off the floor and sounding mm-hmm. rad. And he's going on tour. Look at this guy. Congratulations going on all your success, things. my friend. We're always cheering you on from over here in the elevator, right? <laughs> oh, thank so, you. I can't wait. Appreciate- to, I'm happy to be back in the elevator. Elevator. Looking forward nice. to it. Nice. Or escalator. Yeah, I said elevator. Yeah, escalator. No, escalator. Sorry. Yeah. Yes. I no, I said it. we're changing said. it. We're changing it to kids in the elevator. So. <laughs> I said elevator. I think I said that's elevator. The spin-off. Yeah. The spin-off that's the spinoff show. Yeah, There's show. a lot of snow here. I'm blaming it on the snow shoveling I did today. <laughs> it's all it's all the, the next uh, the kids in the elevator will just be a straight uh, breakdown of every episode of the office. So that's what uh, <laughs> so. I like that. Sopranos. Thanks, Todd. Enjoy yeah, uh, thanks, buddy. your you. time down there, buddy. Be safe and uh we'll see you out on the road there, my man. You got it. Take care. Hi there, buddy. Bye, buddy. Bye bye. There we go. Big thanks to our buddy Todd uh, and uh, to everybody for tuning in this week on the Kids on the Escalator podcast on the Dean Blundell Network. Uh, tune in next week. We got more stuff ahead. More Boba Fett. More everything. More guests. More. 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 Yeah, more. Who do we more, have? More. We, do we got some wrestling coming well, up? Maybe? We're gonna we're gonna have a little wrestling chat and a couple of other things. Uh, still confirming everybody, but uh, so heads up, that, Saudi Arabia. That announcement's coming down pretty soon, and uh, to everybody. Uh, Thanks for your support. Uh, make sure you check us out on kidsontheescalator.com, as you can see down below. Uh, the other thing, too, is to uh, check us out on Spotify and Apple Apple, and all that stuff, which we never really tell you to go to because you're watching us. But we do have a podcast on those platforms that are doing well. We just switched over to Megaphone, uh, uh, which is great, which is part of the Spotify network and part of uh, Dean Blundell. So, everybody, thank you so much for, for all your support and all the rest of it. Um, and uh, there's still time to enter the contest to win this from Chris. Yeah, it's from, way clearer uh, than that, too. Don't be fooled. I have to blur it. There you go. Because people there's the, rip it off. There's the clear one, but we're not going to let you ah, blur do it. that. So anyways, uh, uh, kidsontheescalator.com. Leave us a voicemail. We'll send you some stuff. And um, Yeah, through the internet. You don't even have to do anything. Don't even have to do anything. That's Kids on the Escalator for another week. Thank you, everybody. Good times. Rad dudes. All right. See ya. The Podcast Super Friends is a monthly meeting of five podcast producers. Hi, I'm Catherine O'Brien from Branch Out Programs in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I'm John Gay from Jagged Detroit Podcasts. I'm Matt Kundle from the Sound Off Podcast Network. I'm David Yes from Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. And I'm Johnny Peterson from Straight Up Podcasts. Together, they form the Podcast Super Friends, an alliance of podcast masterminds sharing best practices, insights, and discussions to help make you a better podcaster. Follow or subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or at soundoff.network. I'm Matt Kundle, host of the Sound Off Podcast, the show about podcast and broadcast. Since 2016, we've been speaking with amazing people who have populated your ears for decades. Legendary broadcasters, research wizards, talent experts, podcasters, voice talent. Almost 400 stories, all for free. 
Subscribe or follow the Sound Off Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at soundoffpodcast.com.